In recent days, we've been discussing the fact that Shotzi Blackheart, Scarlet, Karen Cross, and Bronson Reed have been backstage and working dark matches. Reed and Cross even worked main event. In addition, main roster management, Bruce Pritchard and Johnny Ace, have been taking field trips to the PC to scout talent. Now, Fightful Select reported yesterday that Vince McMahon himself will be heading to the PC this Thursday. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. On today's show, we're talking about Vince McMahon's trip to the PC. What will he see there? Who do we think he'll want on the main roster? Travis Everts is in the house. We have headlines from the last 24 hours, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for June 29th, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit wrestling news to find you the truth. All right, Travis, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yep, we get to talk about Vince. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Glad to be here as always on Tuesday. Absolutely. Like I mentioned in the intro, Fightful Select mentioned that they were bringing people to dark matches in addition to the main roster sending scouts to the Performance Center. It all circles around the idea that they're replenishing the WWE main roster after all the cuts in recent months. PW Insider even reported yesterday that Karrion Cross and Scarlett and Shotzi Blackheart were backstage last night at Raw. Dave Meltzer has been reporting that the idea during these times is to go younger and bigger. Ringside News claimed last week, and we talked about that in the rumors last week, that Vince McMahon was looking for younger talent, not necessarily good in-ring workers. So with all that in mind, what do we think we'll, he'll see at the Performance Center, Travis? What do I think about Dad headed down to the old PC? I think it's interesting. Oddly enough, looking through the NXT roster and then looking through the class of Performance Center people, there was probably as many people interesting in the Performance Center class this time that are interesting to me on the NXT roster. I, I guess there's a lot of guys that could end up going, and gals as well. But really, if you peel through it, I'm hard-pressed to find a lot of names in there that Vince would automatically go, oh, yes, let's grab this person and then bring them up. So it's really a question to me of what is he looking for? Is he looking for a look? Does he want a body type? Because he's a body type guy. Everybody knows that. Or does he need a character? Or does he want somebody on promos? Where does he feel like the weaknesses there? And I, I picked a couple of names that I thought were good all around. They could wrestle immediately. And they're also characters. And they could also do a promo if they needed to. I'm not sure. I, I will tell you this. The names that they had working dark matches last week are not on my list. When I watched those main event matches with Bronson Reed and Karrion Cross, I didn't think Cross looked good at all on main event. So I've been critical of Cross and was took some shit for it, being critical of him at the pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago and stuff. He's just not there yet. Like, he could be there at some point. He's perfectly fine in NXT working those matches and things like that and the position that he's in. But the problem is, if you take Karrion Cross out of that NXT ring and you put him in the main roster ring, he's not this giant juggernaut anymore. He's average-sized or you know, slightly above average size, right. but he's not a monster. He's a monster because of the size of the NXT. So who do you think that Vince is going to look at down there? So the four names on the men's side that are currently NXT roster that to me make the most sense that I think would be the best moves for them are Adam Cole, LA Knight, Finn Balor, and Cameron Grimes. And all of them to me, have in-ring talent. Finn Balor obviously has already been up there and done the thing, so who knows if we're going to see him up there or not. It doesn't do a bunch for the youth movement that they're talking about, sure. but I can get to that when I talk to Performance Center guys. Adam Cole, obviously there, there were conversations about that before him going up. LA Knight, I don't know. You can bring the million-dollar belt right up to 
Raw sure. or SmackDown, and he's perfectly fine. I mean, Cameron Grimes is a character. He's made something of himself. He is different. He is unique in a way that's interesting. They could transfer that character up there. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff that you can do with him if you wanted to bring him up, and he can work. On the men's side of things, those are the four people looking at the roster that stand out. Now, the Performance Center folks, the two names that I see that could potentially go up and skip the whole NXT processor, Bronson Rex Steiner, which is one of the yep. Steiner brothers' sons, who's a big, giant, juggernaut, young kid, and Parker Boudreaux. I think there's a conversation to be had that without watching a lot of them and seeing them work, I think they'd make for a real compelling tag team because they can fade each other's in-ring work if they need to that way, sure. and they're giant dudes. Yeah, we haven't seen either of them ever work a match, so we right. really don't know. So we're judging based on sort of fan reaction to those names and also their look. Mm-hmm. But your first list, I had Cameron Grimes on my list as well. Now, he, of all the people that you mentioned, he's the youngest. He's 27, yep. and he just barely makes this whole six foot 220 mark. Yeah. So he's the perfect guy, plus he has a character. Right. right. Vince McMahon's going to walk down there. And if he sees the most beautiful specimen, if that guy has got no character, like for instance, Kyle O'Reilly, maybe even Kushida, all these guys that are great in-ring guys, he's going to look at them and say, who are you? And if they can't answer or there is no answer, then it's not going to make sense. It's not going to click for Vince. And that's, that's sort of what I looked at when I started going through the roster. I'm like, all right, well, how many of these guys have, how many of these guys check enough of the boxes to be up there and make an immediate impact? Like he's had a whole bunch of these guys that are trying to find their character, whether we want to talk about Umberto Carrillo or Mustafa Ali sure. or Mansoor, or the list goes on and on with the mid-level, lower level, non-existent raw talent that's there that are absolutely fine workers. There's no problem with the work rate in WWE. The challenge that WWE is running into now is they can't can't just win off a work rate anymore because if you start looking around the work rate everywhere has gotten better there's yes. not a lot of sloppiness that's out there anymore we see it from time to time but work rate is no longer going to separate you the the upper echelon of the work rate stuff is is amazing but everybody is pretty good now yeah yeah in fact as far as work rate goes most companies are probably very far ahead of main roster not that the main roster guys can't work but the matches are two minutes and they're not designed in a way to be this spectacular match. Yeah. So I also had LA Knight on the list that I had put together because of the character work. Again, not necessarily the youngest guy out there. He's been Eli Drake, LA Knight, been around a long time, but he's sort of the whole package. He talks well. Now the whole million dollar belt thing instantly gives him a character that Vince can absolutely see right away because he's, got some recognition with that title belt and things like that so you could take that la night cameron grimes feud and just pluck it out of nxt and put it right in on monday night raw and that makes sense the other person that i have and it's not because of youth because this guy's in his upper 30s is dexter loomis now nobody is going to talk at length about how great dexter loomis is in the ring because that's not what dexter loomis is there for but the character i think if vince sees that character he might be attracted to that. Sure. He is certainly somebody that I looked at. at I don't know. I don't know how attracted he is going to be to the character. The guy says nothing, basically. But he's a big, giant dude. But what's interesting <laughs> is, right, we watched Jakova go up, who's very similar look-wise, side-wise, appeal-wise, and then they rammed him into retribution and did a bunch of stuff and tried to make him work and tried to have him get over. I don't see how... Dexter Loomis, to me, is like your Wish.com version of... Dominic Dijakovic and 
if he couldn't get over while he was up there, whether he's not, he was just sandwiched in a bad thing. I, I don't know. I'm hard pressed to see Dexter Loomis, who's a worse worker, go up there and try to do anything. I think there is a difference, though, be, just because in the sense that Dexter Loomis, he has had more of a character than Dijakovic did on NXT. Dijakovic really has never had a character except he's Dijakovic and he's a big guy and he can do some impressive things and he has great matches with Keith Lee. Right. Um, aside from that, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Now, on the women's side, and I know you haven't listed your names, but the youngest and biggest is Raquel Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's on my list. So my list for women's was Io Shirai, Frankie Monet, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm for current roster NXT women that I think could make the transition up. Raquel Gonzalez is insanely compelling, and she can get in there against any of those girls and work really well. Tony Storm, good character. Frankie Monet obviously could. I, I thought she sure. should have been. I thought she should have been main roster all the uh, right out of the gates. Right. Io Shirai, Io Shirai is just. I don't know. Io Shirai to me has been in NXT for a while now. I, I don't see them doing much more with. Let's get her up there and get her something fresh. And then the one woman from the women's uh, performance center roster that was interesting to me is Angela Queen Arnold. AQA. She is a, a booker team, so I think that gives her a little bit more credence than some of the other women that are on that list. There are a couple of other names that I thought were okay, but she's she, to me, is the most interesting one that I could see her trying to do something, and who knows if they have Booker bring her in or something like that, have him involved in it. I think live crowds will go nuts for Booker being around as opposed to him being that backstage persona that he's been. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Booker is uh, an interesting personality to me because there are times when on his podcast that i think he says some stuff that's compelling and compelling not in the way that wwe would prefer probably sure so here's some other names that i have on my list legato del fantasma as a unit all of hit row as a unit that's my list those two as a terms of a faction the reason i put those down is in those groups you have youth you have size and you have character now you might not have them all in one person but it's really easy for somebody who's making a one-day trip to the performance center to look at this unit and say, oh, that makes sense. I get what that is. And I think that's probably what he's going to be looking for. So we've been talking about Bronson Reed and Karrion Cross and Scarlett and Shotzi and all them being in front of all of the producers on SmackDown and Raw. But when he goes down to the PC, he's going to see them and he's going to see all these other people. And I think we'll have a couple of surprises in here somewheres that we didn't necessarily see coming because they haven't been on NXT for an extended period of time or whatever. My concern is I think he's going to look at a lot of the talent down there and he's going to go, Oh, these guys are down here because their size is not what I want. He's still, he's just never felt, it's never felt like he's appreciated one ounce of ricochet ever. So I look at ricochet and he can work circles around most of those people down there and is is pretty decent. And I just don't see the Champas, Thatchers, the O'Reilly's, the, the fit like gargano i know you mentioned cole i don't really see that either Only- at, at this point i don't either but he's he's the he's the name that i think would transition the best to the wwe main roster fan base so mm-hmm. i think that would carry it i don't know he's probably got the nxt brand on him for too long it's this weird thing where like you sit down there and you marinate in nxt for too long and like it's almost makes it more challenging to make that transition up any other names that you want to mention I don't know because I don't know if they got a new batch of people that have come in since that last list of performance center people came in. Like, I know that Gigi Dolan's down there sure. and there's a couple of other Eliana Black, which is Corey Jade. 
you know yeah casanova's down there too there's a couple of other people that are down there that could certainly make that transition up i i think i'd love to be a fly on the wall to watch how it goes and how in the crowd he is versus on the exterior or what he's doing but i think the interesting thing that we talked about pre-production was in the past it's always felt like he would let the guys go down there to take a look to evaluate and what's the reason why he wants to go down himself with his own eyes has he felt like the guys that have been called up hasn't done what he's wanted them to do i'm positive he's not getting what he thought he was going to get from damian priest so maybe Damian Priest is making question some of the recommendations or who's coming up and stuff. I don't know. I thought Bianca's Bianca's been fine in the a little over a year that she's been up and real Ripley has been fine. Let's put a pin in that and we'll do our commercial. And when we get back, we have all the headlines. So stay with us. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20.00. And all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports. The show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeConi, and Gary Maheffy. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me for you for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And, of course, this show, the Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is the Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you for your support. All right, headlines portion of the show, and Travis is wearing his MJF shirt in the first segment, but now he has adorned himself with the MJF scarf. I wasn't going to do this toward till toward the end, but let's talk about MJF versus Sammy Guevara. That's headlining Dynamite tomorrow night. It's what a do you big think match. It's a big I, match. I think this is the match. Like when I was looking at this pinnacle and inner circle rivalry. I know the ultimate destination has got to be MJF versus Chris Jericho, but this was the match that I thought the ultimate destination should have. We've like already one- seen we've seen Max and, and Chris go at it too, right? Yes, this is the place it needs to go. The social media feuding has been amped up Perfect. like another degree. And I think you get to see the youth dealing with social media in a way that like some of the older people are not great at. So like this social media feud has been good. It's been hot. It's been heated and stuff like that. You don't see that on the show as much as you see it in the background and stuff, although they may mention it, but it's interesting. Like Sammy hasn't worked at all, essentially this yeah. year. He's had a couple of matches and that's it. Max hasn't had a ton of matches either, but he's only got one loss. And it was when John Moxley cheated to beat him by using an illegal move during the match. So that really is an asterisk loss. I don't think that really counts as a singles loss, like at least not in my eyes anyway. And to the eyes of any honest fan, they should be able to say, you know what, John, 
you're supposed to be the good guy. Why did you use an illegal move to win? But that's what he had to do. I get it. Sadly, my prediction on this match, because of the state of the two of them, is I think that they have to have Sammy win this match. Really? Max taking a loss is terrible. They've had one DQ in 103 episodes, so I just don't see that being the way to get out of this thing. They're clean finish or clean, dirty finishes anyways. DQs are not how we end matches. We don't know contest in AEW. It's just not part of the brand. Although I guess if you were saving up a no contest for something and you wanted to build into a pay-per-view, this would be it. They do Um, do draws. They have draws. So they could, they could go Broadway. Although these aren't typically Broadway wrestling matches, but I say that and Cody and Darlie are the only ones that have gone Broadway. I'd love to see Sammy lose. I certainly enjoy when he loses. I don't love Sammy. He's not my favorite. I think he's got some work to do on his promos and stuff. Um, it feels like the Pinnacle lately have gotten the better of this feud, and this would be a way to bring the inner circle back around after the, the ambush and stuff or last week and the things that we've seen with them. Yeah, Sammy Guevara got the big pin during the stadium stampede. To me, Sammy needs the win more than MJF needs the win. Yep. Like Sammy's not on the same level as MJF right now. But I always thought, and the reason I brought this up earlier, is that I thought that MJF should destroy Jericho, and that should pretty much end the pinnacle versus the inner circle. But then you have the rogue guy, Sammy Guevara, come back, and they have a, a big feud after the pinnacle inner circle thing is dead. But we'll, we'll see. Maybe this is match one. I don't know. But I would have liked to see this as the the destination, not a, because it makes me feel like we're going to get Jericho and MJF at all out. We saw that a couple times with MJF trying to get into the inner circle and stuff. So that's not, it's not an ultra compelling match to me. I think they're going to run into some issues with this feud too shortly. We saw the Wardlow Hager thing. We're going to see the tag match thing. Sean Spears is the odd man out. Um, yeah. He chair shot at Sammy, but does he work with Sammy? Do they have him work with Jericho to try to get him over finally? in doing something and do they stay with this mjf sammy thing i don't know i'm not sure how good mjf's style is going to work with sammy guevara's style they are very much opposite wrestlers mjf is more classic wrestler classic heel wrestler as classic as you can possibly get with a limited move set intentionally and somebody that's going to tell a story in the ring and that story is i'm going to do whatever i need to do to win and sammy guevara is a bit more of a high flyer and a little more showy and flashy and stuff i think that's your story mjf tries to take a a leg or something of sammy so he can't do his offense yeah and i I think that's how you got it you got to run this match for sure i'm interested to see how much time they're going to give him and i guess in the end my prediction is probably something along the lines of dynamite diamond ring to the side of the head of sammy guevara for the win I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. Might as well round out the rest of that dynamite lineup. Jericho will be on commentary. We have Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker and Rebel. Miro defends the TNT championship against Brian Pillman Jr. The Young Bucks versus Penta and Kingston in a tag team eliminator match. And uh, that's what we have for dynamite tomorrow. Oh, we're back to Wednesday. I can't wait until they move to TBS and we don't have to deal with this NBA stuff. I don't know. Thinking about that, too. If I was in AEW shoes, I might think about running five to seven on what I think this the ten o'clock hour sucks for the East Coast, but it was really probably okay for the West Coast. Sure. And maybe they were trying to cater more to that audience and trying to build a fan base there. Hard to do this time of year. Sure. Friday night at ten. That was brutal. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that phase is over. All right, some things that came out of Raw last night. 
minor things. Drew McIntyre, he qualified for Money in the Bank. Damian Priest made his return right on schedule, based on what everybody was saying. And Xavier Woods will be returning next week to face Bobby Lashley in a rematch. Now, Travis, you had contacted me last week after seeing the WrestleVotes tweet about Big E switching to Raw and being there alongside the New Day. And I know you had some thoughts on that. Now, we talked about this actually on last Thursday's show as it being just an idea that was being kicked around. There's no news here, but you want to make sure you put an end to this idea right now? I think the idea is awful. Bringing Big E back over there. So the odd man out here is Xavier Woods, right? Like he's the problem. You've got Kofi, that's a character and a wrestler and established with plenty of wins. And you've got Big E now who's over on the other side, who's established as a character with a bunch of wins and stuff like that. I don't know. The only way I see Big E going to Raw and being a value is if they kept everybody over there and he got into Hurt Business or something like that. If he goes over there and then they form the stale-ass New Day again and we're trumpeting out and we're wearing whatever Sesame Street gimmick costumes we want to wear and we're doing the up-up-down and all that stuff again, it's going to be the same old song and dance. And it just isn't compelling. It's not anything fresh. It's not new. I think an internal feud with them is more interesting for sure. I don't see Big E going over there and and pounding on Woods. If they brought Woods back over to the other side and they were trying to build a feud between Kofi and Big E or something like that, it would be a lot better. But man, bringing him back over there and making him New Day Big E just is not exciting to watch. And like I said last week, It was an idea that was being floated around. I think probably everything is being floated around when they're talking about the draft. They're they're probably saying, okay, what if we move this piece to here and this piece to here? They could, frankly, just do a swap where Woods and Kofi go to SmackDown and Big E goes to Raw. The thing they have to do is find challengers for Lashley and Roman Reigns when they do this. And there isn't anybody really out there. I don't know. I watched, I DVR'd Raw, which has been the best thing for me to do with that show lately, and the show feels so much like a ship that doesn't have anybody steering it. It really feels like they're just trying to get the boat into the port of the draft. Yeah. Everything's all over the place and it's just a mess and the stories are all over and nobody knows what's happening. And all of a sudden like Randy's missing. Yeah. I think they're trying to get to live crowds. I think hopefully we see a huge change when we get live crowds. There's just not a lot going on there. There's not a lot of meat there. I'm far more interested in Liv Morgan winging a money in the bank shot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, SmackDown's a great product, really. All right, Lex Luger's Icon documentary comes out on July 4th. Makes sense. The whole Mm -hmm. Lex Express makes sense. So it's this weekend on Sunday, the Icon doc. Now, these Icon docs have been great. The Yokozuna Mm -hmm. one was great. The Beth Phoenix one was great. They've been killing it with documentaries recently, so... I'm really interested to see the Lex Luger story because I don't think that's been told in any sort of documentary way. And there's stuff. There's been some snippets of stuff that they've thrown in, like Dark Side of the Ring and different stuff like that. Like, obviously, yes. his relationship with, with Miss Elizabeth is really well known, and he was there the night she died and stuff. Yeah, it's a, one of those meteoric rise kind of things, and then a pretty significant fall afterwards, too. We've got to see him at StarCast, and he's not anything like what he was previously so yeah and yesterday was the 23 year anniversary of undertaker mankind hell in a cell yeah pretty awesome match like i watched the fully broken skull session over the weekend and stuff and i thought it was pretty good we had talked about it previously mick is somebody who's 
been around and if you're watching wrestling or any wrestling sort of stuff you've heard his story a little bit i didn't feel like steve dug any deeper there but mick's been pretty open and pretty honest about a bunch of stuff he did talk about the part where you know he finally put the fact that match was his entire career and he put that resentment away when undertaker said it's going to live well past the two of us. I think um, that was the the biggest thing for uh, for Mick Foley because he talked about that moment when he saw Superfly Jimmy Snuka jumping off the cage. And this was for everybody else what that was for him. When yeah. he made that realization, I think he was at peace with his whole career type of yeah. thing. Genuine good guy, great guy. It seems like he, he does a lot for fans and stuff. He's certainly been up here to the minor league baseball games a handful of different times to do meet and greets and stuff. And He's been in this area. He might have done Rochester as one of his tours for his one-man shows one time, too. Not that I caught it. Um, but not somebody that you look at and you think would have the sort of career that he has because he's not this crazy, chiseled guy. He is definitely every man, and he managed to be able to do that at a time when there was a lot of really talented people that were paying attention to the show, and he held his own with all of those guys. So. I mentioned to John DeCani last week that the thing that shocked me in watching both the A&E doc and then the, and the Broken Skull sessions, he was only full-time in WWE for four years. Yes. That's yep. fucking incredible. Yep. He, he picked a good four years to go in. There was a lot of talent that was there that he could work with and work off of and stuff like that. But yeah, he had two careers before he even got yeah. to WWE. Yeah. You know? But yeah, real good dude. All right, a few more headlines to get into. Yesterday, Ring of Honor announced, and I mentioned this with John yesterday, actually, that their main event for Best in the World is Bandito versus Roosh. So that's our main event. Trav, I'm a little bit, I don't want to say disappointed because I think this is going to be a great match, but they need buzz. Boy, does that company need buzz. They needed to get somebody in there that was going to make people pay attention. And yeah, nothing against Bandito because, like I said, this is going to be a great match but I don't think they're going to sell any additional pay-per-views on account of this. No, and this should have been their welcome back. I was right there with you. Like I've paid attention to the Saturday show when I've seen it on and stuff and the wrestling is still fine, but I still feel like out of everybody, anybody reestablishing themselves, they're getting a footing in, there's talent there, there's interesting stuff, there's the Camille story to talk about and some other things too that are happening over there. I don't love everybody new that's over there, but I certainly like a good portion of the roster and I felt like they've been out in front and they've been promoting stuff and they had the little mini pay-per-view and things. And I felt like I, I have actually really, and maybe I'm the only person, but I've enjoyed the MLW rounds of drafts. Like they make it sure. a big deal when they're doing the draft rounds and stuff and people come up and there's some interesting talent that they've decided to bring in there. Aramis is really good and some other stuff that people haven't actually seen that are going to be interesting people for them to watch. And ROH has just felt so just not there. Like it's not been a big pop other than I'm excited about the women's tourney. That's mm -hmm. great. But the men's side of things with all the roster that they have left still and things, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of direction there, and it doesn't seem like anybody's got like a lot of heart in it either. I don't blame them for not adding a bunch of names during the pandemic. That makes sense. It's just that I would have really liked to see something to create buzz for Best in the World, and it's just not there. Nope. And you know, you mentioned NWA. I feel like they're in the same position. They've added names. And it's good. They're ra really rounding out that middle. But nobody is there that can challenge Nick Aldis. And that's a, a light criticism, though, because I feel the same way about Raw, and I feel the same way about SmackDown, and I feel the same way about Impact, and I feel the same way about AEW. All their champions are, <laughs> and most of them are Kenny Omega, but all those champions are not beatable. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like of all the names you listed, probably the the most beatable is still Kenny Omega, and I think that has to do with just the number of belts that he has, obviously, and the the different talent around it. And he's just not. He's very good, great worker, good wrestler, but he's not so over the top of the talent for size wise or anything like that, that everybody else in that roster is. I think there's some people in there that could give him a run. Now, do they have anybody right now? No. He set this up for you then, because yesterday, AAA announced the full lineup for Triple Mania. Now, we already knew Andrade versus Kenny Omega was going to be on the card, and they really didn't announce anything on the undercard that's super, super interesting. Good matches and everything. Lucha Brothers are on the card. They're defending the tag titles. But I could see a situation where Andrade wins the AAA mega title, and then that sets up a feud on Dynamite where I don't know if they would go title for title or what they would do, but it would be interesting again. So I was I was going through that same exact conversation with myself this morning in the shower talking about the triple A mania stuff. Would they give Andrade the thing and oh I've taken one of your belts and now I'll take another one? It really depends on how much faith they have in Andrade. I think if he was there maybe a little bit longer, I think that Yeah, this is the first match for triple I mean the thing is like Tony Khan gets to be on the catbird seat here. He gets to sit back and watch how that match is put together in AAA Mania. And he's probably hands-off. like So he'll get to see what the work looks like and so on and so forth. And the reality of it is I don't think we saw anywhere near the top end of Andrade while he was in WWE. Mm-hmm. So the ceiling on him is insane. And where he is different than some of his other contemporaries that have come over is he's not old. He's a young guy came over. Big deal. And, uh, I will say this. Chris Jericho is going to need to get a new finisher because Andrade's spinning back elbow is way better than the Judas effect. Yeah, the Judas <laughs> effect. Is, and you know what's funny about you saying that is the Judas effect, and some of it has to do with his matches too, but it's quietly gone away a little bit. It's not what it was. It wasn't the pop that it used to be. Like, obviously, nobody's still kicked out of it or whatever, but yeah, the, it is a very, very similar but much more impressive version of that for sure. Yes. And yeah, Andrade which... is gargantuan. Like, mm. he's got to work out with Charlotte Flair every day. Like, she's going to kick his ass. Like, he's gotten <laughs> cut and chiseled and insane. So, I don't know. If that's my significant other and I got to hold, I got to feel like I got to hold serve with her, you better get up pretty early in the morning. I think where I will find him most interesting is if he really sits back and he puts the time in to work on his English. I think yeah. the English is the thing that's be- that definitely held him back in WWE. Um and I think if they bring in Thea, which has been rumored all over the place, it's super interesting to look at her. But there's... Tommy and conversations about AEW is English the same way they work around Pentas. They do make good use of their talent in that way. And even the sit down interview with Jim Ross, he came out of that looking fine. Even I, I agree. English wasn't great, but he, he, he spoke enough lines to make his point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what he did. There. I, I like him throwing Spanish in, in the middle of that interview, sure. the way that he did and stuff like that. I like it when the guys do that actually, whether it's the, the Santana Ortiz throwing it in or the Lucha brothers or something like that. I'm, really missing ray phoenix because i haven't seen him in two months or whatever but i think it's going to be real interesting but yeah that triple a mania card we'll see i think that's a this is the thing about kenny omega though his body is broken he is yeah. broken down he's got a bunch of injuries so it's not going to be you know i think it's going to be his body that kind of stops him more that he's going to need a break like carrying around these titles and that's what you run into you got a working a working champion he's going to get hurt yeah i will say though in fairness he's not working as much in comparison to like when Bret Hart was champion in for WWE sure. or any of actually any of the guys in 
recent memory because a pandemic you're not running that many shows triple a has not run hardly any shows i think his last triple a match was december and on impact he wrestles twice a month tops sure so and then on dynamite he's not on dynamite every week you know no, it's, it's certainly not like the moxley reign i felt like moxley was out there with the title every week kenny i don't think it works for kenny either like the way that this character this version of kenny omega is if he was wrestling every week i don't think it would work now he has every match he has usually is to over 20 minutes but very good too like working in the condition he's in to have that match that he had with jungle boy says a lot about who he is as a performer sure all right a couple of other things before we get out of here minoru suzuki moved to the united kingdom i guess he's long time girlfriend mako satamura moved there so he moved there as well i don't think that's any indication that he won't be on round new japan pro wrestling but he doesn't really seem to fit the bill for nxt uk so i don't know what that says he would certainly be a compelling talent for them to bring in which certainly shake up the look of that company because i'll tell you what british style isn't too far classic british style isn't too far from japan strong style sure and he's the king of that over there so i don't know he has a very vanilla bland like we enjoy this sort of no seasoning british style so he's interesting if they decided that they wanted to go that direction with him i don't know it's a forbidden portal kind of thing he's very interesting i'd watch him wrestle walter let's get out of here we just wanted to go through the nxt card for tonight we got raquel and dakota versus zoe and neo versus shotzi and ember the winner is going to face indian canis at the great american bash next week cameron grimes is in action Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas are facing Boa and Zaya Lee. And then on New Japan Strong this Friday, it's Fred Rosser versus Bateman, Hikaleo versus Jordan Clearwater, and Leo Rush making his appearance versus Adrian Quest. Of course, we know New Japan Strong was taped about six months ago. So. Nah, nope. This is a miraculous heel by Leo Rush. The Leo Rush, I mean, great card top to bottom. They still got to build in some story and stuff like that to make it super compelling. Glad they got the tag team thing that's coming up and different things there. So I think we'll get to see more strong will become more and more relevant conversation for all of us. I think after they come over, they have the big show and stuff like that. It's certainly got good opportunity, but talent wise and stuff like that. It's the same spot. It needs that additional buzz that we're looking for from ROH and stuff, all good wrestlers, fine workers and stuff, the way the show's put together and stuff is not the most exciting thing to watch yeah when we get to resurgence in august they've got to get some big names and some big matches otherwise i don't think that show's gonna do well at all all right that's been our show for travis i am ryan and we'll see you next time